Welcome to Locked on Heat. On today's episode, David and I will be joined by Ben Golliver, the NBA writer from the Washington Post, author of Bubble Ball, and the host of the GOAT NBA pod. We're going to talk about uh, Dwayne Wade and his recent Q&A with the Miami Heat icon, and then zoom out on the Miami Heat season and ask, are they really contenders in the Eastern Conference? It's all coming up next. <laughs> Your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, it's a Wednesday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening to YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. We are here with Ben Golliver, NBA writer for The Washington Post, author of Bubble Ball, and the host of the GOAT NBA pod. Ben, thank you so much for jumping on. Before we get into your thoughts on the Heat this season, um, you spoke with Dwayne Wade for a Q&A piece over at The Washington Post about his new book. In it, you guys talk about some of the many phases of Dwayne's career, from the 2006 Finals to the Big Three to his final season in Miami. Uh, maybe this is a loaded question, but when you think of Dwayne's career, what is it that you remember it for? Well, first of all, it's so great to be back with the real peanut butter and jelly of the Miami Heat scene. That's, uh, you know, Wes and David. So nice. Wes, did I hear right that you've headed back to the South Florida? Are you officially back in town running things? Is that right? That's right. I'm here down in downtown Miami. Not quite running things, but uh, silent, silently moving. I'm like the G in lasagna. Well, that's brilliant. It's it's good to hear. I mean, it's a nice homecoming story. Um, in terms of your question about Dwayne Wade, yeah, look, I actually thought his comments to me showed an amazing amount of clarity about his own legacy and his own career. You look at like Scottie Pippen, for example, here on his book tour over the last week or two, he's saying all sorts of stuff, trying to, you know, rehash old rivalries with Michael Jordan and, you know, almost, uh, you know, burnishing his own legacy at Michael Jordan's expense. And Dwayne Wade couldn't have been more of the opposite, right? He's very comfortable in retirement. He has a lot going on. And when he looks back at his career, he sees a player who maybe wasn't quite on Michael Jordan's level, wasn't quite on LeBron James' level, wasn't quite on uh, Kobe Bryant's level, and yet is still very clearly a no-brainer first bout Hall of Famer and one of the NBA's top 75 players of all time, as he was recently named, right? That's exactly how I remember Dwayne Wade, you know, pretty much top five shooting guard, um, one of the very best players of his generation, and yet still maybe just a half step below the true all-time greats. But it's remarkable that, you know, he's only a couple of years uh, removed from the game, and he's tried to get into all these other, you know, business interests, you know, owner, co-owner of the Utah Jazz and TNT commentator and all these things. And yet he can already see with like a lot of honesty and clarity about how he stacked up with the greats. I think that's pretty tough. It's pretty rare. We don't often see that um, from players who reach that level of greatness. That's an incredible level of honest self-assessment for an NBA player. Most of the time, you don't get that, especially in retirement. They kind of see things through a very different lens after they're walking away from the game. But I'm, I'm kind of impressed by Dwayne having that kind of clarity and saying, you know what, the 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 humility maybe is not the quite the right word, but the ability to say, you know what, I wasn't up there with the rest of them, but I was still pretty damn good. No, well said. And I, I think it comes with him being an analyst. You know, he's spent time talking on TNT. And so I don't, he's not a shock value guy. You know, you go to him for the personal player insight when he's on television, not for the like, oh, I'm going to, you know, say some wacky take and just getting everybody uh, talking. And so I, I appreciated that about him. He's maintained his uh, credibility, I guess, his composure 
in those roles. But I also think it goes back to having a very well-balanced life in retirement. You know, sometimes these guys step away, they have a really hard time adjusting. And he had actually mentioned in that interview how he had considered retiring in 2015 because his body was hurting so much. And he basically redid all of his training programs, got into yoga, you know, new support staff and all this stuff. And he was able to hang on, you know, quite a bit longer after that. I think that just kind of helped him mentally prepare for what was going to come next. And you go right down the list. I mean, he's writing books. He's a part owner of the Utah Jazz, right? He's obviously got a lot of Hollywood interests with his wife and family. His son now, you know, he's he's a dad coaching a basketball son who, who just got drafted in the G League. And then he's also out front on some social issues uh, with his daughter as well, right? So you add all those things up. He's got a lot going on. And I think that helps with the perspective stuff. If all you've got in your life is your memories, it's very right. easy to turn into that Uncle Rico character, right? And Dwayne Wade <laughs> is like the opposite of Uncle Rico. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Scotty Pippen is uh, is Uncle Rico, and he's screaming at the mountains right now. <laughs> Uncle Pippen right. really is. He's telling us he could throw a football 100 yards. Like, we watched Jordan do it, man. We know. <laughs> we were there. Um, there's a lot to get into here, but um, on in some ways, Dwayne Wade feels very relatable in a strange way. In many more ways, he's not relatable at all. This is a Hollywood star. He's got business interests. He's a host of a game show. He's married to a celebrity. All these, all these, he's a Hall of Fame basketball player also. All these things. But in your, in your Q&A, Ben, um, I think I found maybe the most relatable bit of information that I've ever seen on Dwayne Wade. You asked him who he hated playing against the most. <laughs> and his answer was Lance Stevenson. And before I ask you about, like, look, us in the media, we... We know a lot about basketball, but we don't really know what's going on on the court a lot of times. But I can tell you over the the last, whatever, decade, however long Lance Stevenson been playing, I thought it was very obvious that we knew exactly what was going on on the court when Lance Stevenson was playing. He was annoying. People hated playing against him. Uh, and I love to hear Dwayne Wade say, you know what, that the blown in the ear stuff, all that stuff, man, I hated playing against him. So my question to you, Ben, is um, which NBA player would you have hated playing against the most? And well, first of all, the reason, the reason why I asked that question to him is because his new book, which is like a photographic journey through his life, right? It's, it's very complimentary. He actually says in a different answer to a question like, hey, off the court, I'm actually a pretty nice guy, you know, but on the court, I turned into this very competitive player. And right. the book reflects the nice guy voice a lot. I mean, he's just talking about how much fun it is to do battle with like LeBron and and uh, Kobe Bryant on the court, how much he loves Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan shaped his life. He even has a whole section about the media and he goes on and on. He's got a picture with Rachel Nichols and talks about how Rachel Nichols is this huge professional. It's like how many NBA players are going to devote a, a section of their book to their warm and friendly relationships, uh, you know, with media members. Right. And so then I was like, well, come on. I mean, you know, so it's laying it on a little too thick. So who really bothered you? And it was a quick answer, Lance Stevenson. It wasn't a hesitation <laughs> answer whatsoever. You know, he called a makeup dance, Lance, you know, and he had some other nicknames for him, which I thought was great. Um, oh, old, uh, old blow in your ear, Lance Stevenson. Like, he referred to him as such. That was pretty hilarious. Old blow in your ear, uh, Lance Stevenson. But you could tell he, Lance succeeded in getting under LeBron's skin yeah. and Dwayne Wade's skin. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to win an entire playoff series against Hall of Fame level talents by blowing their ears and, you know, doing the old J.R. Smith untying their shoe trick and all that stuff. But you could try to throw people off their game, make them uncomfortable, and just get them thinking in strange ways. And so I actually thought, um, you know, it was an excellent uh, pick. You know, and in terms of guys who 
I would hate to play against. I mean, one of them that comes to mind, honestly, it's because I'm watching him here all the time in Los Angeles right now is Russell Westbrook, because you just Mm. never know what's going to happen. There's a lot of technical fouls. There's a lot of charge calls. There's a lot of confrontations with the officials. There's uh, more, I think, uh, offensive explosions still at this point in his career than he gets credit for. Like, there's a number of nights where he'll just go and and really have a good night and kind of keep his team afloat. But it's just the unpredictability aspect to it. I think I'm a very routine-oriented person, right? (laughs) I think I would have a very hard time. I always talk about adjusting, right? I'd have a very hard time adjusting to playing with or against Russell Westbrook. That'd be my answer. David, what's your answer? I don't know that we've ever talked about this. The player I'd hate to play against? Wow, I don't... I don't know that I've given it any thought whatsoever. I mean, Stevenson is a good one just because... That's mine. Seems, I've actually answered that question before, and that was mine. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like it's just, you know, the things that he does are more about getting under your skin, the talking, right. the, the you know, the little chicanery here and there, and less about basketball. So I think that's a big part of it. I think that yeah. would find most annoying. But All uh, the things that Ben was talking about kind of... Uh, or you could say the same thing about Kyle Lowry, right? I and mean, all the charges that he brings, the, right. the, the 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 unpredictability, you know, all that stuff, the screaming at officials between every single play. Like, I think he has a goal of picking up one technical foul a game. I mean, <laughs> he's well on his way. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, look, when you get when you're that competitive and you get to yeah. your mid thirties, you're just it's sort of like all bets are off. Like you've sort of entered the sweatpants mindset, you know, of life where it's like you're not trying to put on a good show for everybody anymore. Right. Appearances don't matter quite as much. And I think Kyle Lowry's there where it's just like, all right, look, we've seen this missed call before. I'm just gonna let you know about it. I'm not gonna be polite like I might uh been five years ago. I'm well, changing let's... my answer. I'm changing my answer to going with Kevin Garnett there. That just I can't oh. I... Yeah, the attitude, the the, yeah. the tough actresses kind of you know uh, performative art of of yeah. his uh, you know screaming and yelling Pushing buttons. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, he got down on his knees and was barking like a dog, and that was a, that was very controversial. <laughs> I don't know if you guys were still co- were you covering the league all the way back no. then? Maybe not, but no. that was very early in my writing tenure, and you know it went viral on whatever the early stage of Twitter was. It was a huge debate. Did Kevin Garnett cross the line by barking like a dog in front of Jared Bayless? It was, uh, it was a big one. <laughs> Today's episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by Calm. When it comes to athletes, we tend to focus on physical fitness, but there's another side to the game that's just as important, mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind to become the champion version of yourself. LeBron and Calm know what your mind is like, any other muscle in your body, but you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, reduce your stress, and perform at your best, just like LeBron. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine, and as he says, quote, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I could do for my body and mind. From the sound of rain falling on leaves to bedtime sleep stories, Calm puts me to sleep within minutes, which means I wake up ready for any challenge, unquote. So if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA for a limited time, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves like rain on leaves and so much more like sleep stories and meditations so you can be ready for any challenges that life throws your way. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron James in using Calm and get a 40% discount on Calm premium subscription at calm.com. Slash locked on NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com uh, slash locked on NBA. That's calm.com slash locked on NBA. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. 
I love Thanksgiving, all of the good food and treats and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie is upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace that coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar. Replace that raspberry pie with a raspberry Built Bar. They have a ton of good flavors that can replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, and covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two right now. Share some at your favorite favorite uh, family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Maybe your Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet, and now you have a conversation starter. New surprises all month long. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check out the site. There's nothing like Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday is going to be a huge event with all sorts of surprises where you could stock up on your favorite Built Bars. Here's our offer. Go to Built.com, use that promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off on your order. Again, use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Um, let's go ahead and zoom out to the Miami Heat this season. Uh, they're nine and five right now, fourth in the Eastern Conference. They're one and a half games back of Washington for first place in the conference. Um, you look at their, uh, their, their metrics, fourth in offensive rating, ninth in defensive rating, second behind only the Warriors in overall net rating. Um, but I think that they've been hard to evaluate, partly because they haven't had Jimmy Butler for the most part for the last five games. Um, they're coming off of now a two and three road trip. Um, that was pretty rocky. And when you dive into some of the particulars, look, this is a team that gives up a ton of threes. They're really reliant on the mid-range shot, um, but they do rebound the crap out of the ball. Um, they, they're, they're good defensively. They move the ball well. I mean, sometimes the ball movement is like 2014 Spurs level. Um, but again, really, really hard to evaluate. They've also had the fifth hardest schedule in the league, and it's not getting any easier. So with all that said, Ben, what have been your early impressions of of the Miami Heat, um, what stands out to you? Well, first, you know, they were already the team that you didn't want to have to play in the playoffs just because of how kind of physical and focused they are. It's supposed, uh, you know, ability to deploy zones here and there and just throw you off and get you in your own head. I mean, they've been a tough out. I mean, last year obviously was an exception with the kind of the bubble hangover in the, in the first round. They went pretty quietly. But in general, that's a team you don't want to have to play in the playoffs with Jimmy and Bam, right? They just double down on it this summer, and you get Kyle Lowry, who's that type of player, uh, and you get P.J. Tucker, who I think has been, you know, ask Kevin Durant how fun it was to play against him. Now, Katie had a lot of success, uh, but, you know, he had to earn every single one of those baskets with P.J. in the mix. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if they're the most talented team um, in the Eastern Conference, certainly, but they're a team that you don't want to have to face in the playoffs, especially if they're healthy. I think one big takeaway before Jim, Jimmy's absence, and maybe his absence underscored this, He's still underrated. You know, he tends to get put in these conversations with guys like Jason Tatum when you're looking at, like, top 100 rankings before the season. I know who I want, and it's not just because Jason Tatum is ice cold right now. I'm taking Jimmy Butler and his competitive spirit, his two-way impact all day, every day, right? And so I think that was one takeaway. The other one that I've had, and look, Tyler Hero has been getting a lot of attention going all the way back to preseason sixth man of the year candidate, most improved player candidate, totally deserved. He's overqualified to be a sixth man. And when Jimmy's been absent and you see where do they go for offense in these couple of games, especially when they were here in Los Angeles, when they were needing a bucket or somebody to create, it was usually Tyler Hero. Now, Kyle Lowry did have one just phenomenal quarter. So, you know, he was able to kind of step forward and, and handle some of that as well. But they were really looking hard for Hero. And to me, it's interesting because he's coming up on extension talks, right, in the not-too-distant future. He's got to start to think here at this point of his career, what path do you want to be on? 
And he's overqualified to be a sixth man. He would start and be a lead scorer on an awful lot of teams around the NBA. And so I love that he's bought into his role this year. But I was just curious for you to hear from you guys. Is this going to be his long-term fit? Is, is it going to be Tyler Ginobili? Or is it going to be Tyler Harden? Where it's like, hey, you know, this was cool. But uh, I'm trying to eat. I'm trying to be famous. I want a max contract. You know, how long can he stick in this current spot? I think the idea is that eventually when his contract does come up, uh, they'll probably try to find a way to unload Duncan Robinson in the hope that maybe they can get Hero into that role as far as a bucket getter and also a floor spacer. But right now, obviously, that's not a a viable option. And given that, then I think they'll start to shift their offense a little bit more where they'll be a little less reliant on guys like Jimmy and Tyler and, you know, I'm sorry, and Kyle and others and then kind of just let let Tyler do what he does so well. So I think that's the next evolution for him. It's going to be an interesting question. They're going to have to go through that evolutionary process. And one thing when it comes to covering Miami, you never look too far ahead because you never know what Pat Riley in that front office is going to do. They could blow up the whole team. They could find a way of trading Jimmy Butler in that last year of that mega deal they extended him on. So you never know what's going to happen. But I think they believe in Tyler Hero and they want him to be a part of their future despite all the rumblings that we heard last summer. Yeah, I feel like they've sort of tipped their hand last year when they tried to kind of force Tyler Hero into that lead point guard job, uh, bring yeah. Goran Dragic off the bench. And they, obviously, they ended up set, settling on Kendrick Nunn down the stretch and things like that. Um, but they've also made his playmaking and his ball handling a priority over the offseason. They've put the ball in his hands even more, especially like you were talking about, Ben, with Jimmy Butler out. Like, you see you see Tyler Hero running an awful lot of pick and roll now. I, I, yeah. I feel like Kyle Lowry, the succession plan for him is just starting Tyler Hero. Now, obviously, Lowry's got several years left on this contract after the deal and everything like that. So I don't know. I don't think you bring Lowry off the bench the way that you did with Goran Dragic in the late stages of his career. So I'm not sure, but I'm, t- I'm sure the Heat are glad to have this problem as opposed to the opposite problem, right? Absolutely. Where um, they didn't really know what that backcourt was going to look like long-term. No, it is a good problem to have, but it is going to force some choices, I think, when it's it like contract extension negotiation time too, right? Because like, is he an automatic max guy if he's a mm-hmm. sixth man? I mean, there was the same kind of, uh, spot you got in with Harden where like he views himself as like, look, you know, put me in a different uh, climate. I can average 25. Give me this full max contract. And if in the Thunder were like, well, you know, you're our sixth man. We value you a lot. You're really important. We're trying to save a little bit of money here and there. I just wonder, you know, how does that negotiation look? Because he's been one of the most promising players and productive players from his class already in this third year, even though he's in a little bit of a restricted role. And so what does that look like? I think they have to negotiate next summer potentially on, on that next extension, right? Heading into year four. So it's just one to watch. I'm not trying to plant seeds of anxiety for Heat fans because I know they love Hero as well they should. But they've committed a lot of money to these vets to put this group together. And he's going to want his slice of it too eventually. But the thing that I love about Hero, he's the right amount of humble while also being the right amount of cocky, right? Like he oh, respects yeah. his elders. He always says the right thing about Spo, always says the right thing about Jimmy Butler. And yet you get him out there on the Staples Center court, he's going to talk some trash to the Lakers bench. You know, He's not afraid <laughs> not to do doubt. that whatsoever. And he'll take the big shot late in a game um, if you need it. You just kind of wonder, can he mentor Duncan Robinson through this tough spot a little bit? You know, It's like Duncan with some of these misses in key moments and just terrible stat lines, you know, night after night after night. Hopefully he, he started to put that behind him just a little bit. But you just need a little hero to rub off on Duncan Robinson being in great shape. Yeah, I don't – 
<laughs> that that age disparity probably makes it tougher because I can't imagine Duncan like at 27, almost 28 years old, looking at that 21 year old kid and saying, "What what are you doing? What kind of advice are you going to possibly offer me?" But, you know, I know. I, I'm just teasing, but it's one of those things. It's a reminder: you're born with the swag, or you're not. You know what I mean? And you know, I'm not saying that Duncan Robinson is swagless, but I think he's probably got uh, a podcaster's level of swag and Tyler Hero's on an influencer's level of swag. So you're saying a lot a lot of swag then, a podcaster level of swag <laughs> to me is a lot of swag. Um, all right, Ben, you, you mentioned the Eastern Conference before, how they're not the most talented team. Miami is not the most talented team in the East, but um, with, every, with what you've seen from Brooklyn this season, with Philadelphia's recent slide and all that stuff going on over there, um, I know Washington looks really good. Chicago looks really good. All these teams, I think we still need to see the rest of this uh, next couple months to see if they're for real or not or just how real they are. But um, all that to say and to ask you, um, how open is the Eastern Conference at this point? Well, I think, first of all, it's a lot better than it's been in recent seasons. I used to call this the Paul Millsap effect, where you'd have players move from the West to the East and all of a sudden their reputations would enhance and they'd find a lot of success. Maybe we call this the West uh, Goldberg effect now. You know, you move from the West to the East. All of a sudden, you know, everybody's loving life and things look a little bit better. Food tastes better. Drinks taste better. But look at Washington. Who'd they add? A bunch of Western Conference players. Kyle Kuzma, Catavius Caldwell-Pope, Montrez Harrell. Look at Chicago. Who did they add? A bunch of Western Conference players. Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball, right? Even the Brooklyn Nets. Who did they add? Kevin Durant, James Harden, Western Conference players. This is the key to the Eastern Conference's resurgence. They're just, you know, very carefully poaching talent from these Western Conference teams and, and making things a lot more interesting. I've really enjoyed it for the first time in a long time. You know, I've, I've been a Western Conference elitist, um, yes, you know, you just have. always pointing out the disparity between these two conferences for the last 20 years. And finally, the East is really uh, holding up its weight, not only in terms of wins and losses, but intrigue. I mean, you've got all those teams you mentioned have interesting stories going on right now. And some of them are off the court with Simmons and Irving and all that. But a lot of them are on the court, too. I mean, Chicago's chemistry has been excellent. I was really impressed by them last night. Um, Washington is the best vibes in Washington, I think, in like 30 years. I mean, it's been a long time since anyone's been as happy as the Wizards seem to be. So it's been a promising start for those teams. I do think once all this shakes out, the teams I would fear the most in the playoffs right now, like once we get there, you know, Brooklyn. Milwaukee, who's had a really kind of rough and dodgy start, right? Miami, obviously a team that's built for the playoffs. And then I think those are still the, the, the top three in my mind in terms of, okay, like who you're actually going to fear. I don't fear the Knicks at all in terms of playoff. I didn't last year. Um, Atlanta has been very shaky. I'm not sure they're going to be able to get back in that mix. Philly, it's the same story with Philly every year. When they finally get out of the second round, I'll see it when I believe it, right? So to me, you know, we've got a lot of unexpected teams rising up the standings and a few teams that have been disappointing. When all that levels off when we get to April and May, I still think the three teams you got to really consider strongly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Miami. We'll be right back with Ben Goller. But first, today's episode of Lockdown Heat is brought to you by Bet Online. Back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use that promo code LOCKEDON. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. It's bet online where the game starts. 
when you saw this roster being assembled over the offseason, they're making this move where they acquire 35-year-old Kyle Lowry and 36-year-old P.J. Tucker, and you're kind of questioning whether or not Miami has the depth. Then you start to see that maybe, again, as you hinted at, they're going to be this, they're going to forge their identity as being a team that nobody wants to play because they're you know, going to be you know, very tight defensively and they're going to try and challenge you physically and things of that sort. And then having actually watched them over the couple, you know, last week when you saw them for two games in Los Angeles and over the course of the season, how have they lived up to those expectations? What were your what were your thoughts on the team as it was currently being as it was being assembled this past summer? And how have they kind of matched those levels of expectation for you? Well, look, I got terrible luck because Jimmy got injured early in the first the two sure. games that I saw. And so, you know, to me, so much of what makes them hard to beat a tough playoff out, a team that you, you know, know is going to try to give it at all, you know, in a seven-game series is Jimmy, his presence, right? But I've actually been impressed by Bam Adebayo. Here's why. I thought he was very quiet in last year's postseason, didn't really seem like himself. Some of that, uh, you know, swag that he had in the bubble was just really lacking. And then in the Olympics, there was a lot of moments where I was like, what exactly is he doing out there? He looks kind of small. You know, some of these bigger bodied international centers are, are having some success against him. And he came out in LA and actually, you know, set the tone, uh, you know, at times with some, you know, really uh, big time uh, early scoring performances and just a lot of activity and, you know, doing BAM stuff. And, and so that was fun to watch. I mean, I, I do think that he, he's their X factor to me, right? Because I think he's going to have to play some important defensive minutes against any of these matchups we're talking about. If it's Kevin Durant, you know, potentially if it's Joel Embiid, I mean, however you're Giannis, like however you shake it out, eventually Bam is going to have to be a critical component of your defensive game plan against the stars in the conference. And he has to do better than he did during last year's playoffs, uh, really on both ends. And uh, I think he's capable of doing that. Uh, I really was not a BAM believer before the bubble and then I caught religion and I felt a little burned after that, honestly, because it was like I overcorrected to being like a huge BAM guy. And, uh, you know, we just didn't really see it last season. So I think that's a that's a positive sign. One of the one of the bigger takeaways I've seen. But you guys watch them more than I do on a night to night basis. So maybe you feel different. Well, I think part of it last year, and the same goes for Tyler Hero, is that their offseason was like 48 hours, and then they had to go play right. another season. So, um, And you saw that wear and tear across the season. But we're kind of getting into this conversation here with the way that they put the roster together. And I don't think that they would be surprised by the way that they play this year. First of all, you've got that fearsome foursome with Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, P.J. Tucker. Um, as long as they only have three of those guys on the court, at least three of those guys on the court, they're holding opponents to under 98 points per 100 possessions. You put all four of them on the court together as, as they are in the starting lineup, even with Duncan Robinson, a minus defender. They're unmovable, immovable, unmovable. I'm not one of those. Um, but it, it feels like they do a lot of things the hard way, right? They're really good defensively at when, when those guys are on the court. Um, but like I said, they, they take a ton of mid-range shots. They're relying on those mid-range jumpers. When they're not going in, they don't have a lot else, right? Like Bam Adebayo is not a guy who's posting up. They don't, they don't shoot a ton of threes. Like Duncan Robinson's kind of their only three-point specialist. He's kind of in charge of spacing the floor by himself. Um, I, I yeah, know and P, PJ really cramps it too. I mean, we should yeah. put that out there as well. Like people think of him as the three and D guy. He's a D guy now. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> the three stuff is not really there as much as it used to be. Um, you know, from a volume uh, perspective, especially, he's just a little bit, you know, more gun shy, I think, than he was even like three or four years ago with Houston. One thing, oh. though, the NBA's rule changes have favored Miami, right? Like the, huh. the scoring coming way down, three point free throws coming way down um, and just offensive efficiency coming down plays into Miami's hands. I mean, Golden State has benefited from this as well. There's a few other teams that have benefited, but 
if you want to play the slug, uh, you know, the slugfest rock fight type of style that you're describing, you don't have the super high ceiling uh, offensive efficiency wise, like Miami doesn't, the best thing in the world is to have Michael Jordan and the competition committee say, Hey, we're rolling back. We're going to pop the NBA scoring bubble so that not, nobody can get away with this stuff. And now you're in a much more fortuitous situation. So uh, to me, I, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about their overall offensive firepower, especially when they don't have Jimmy, of course. Uh, but I'm less worried than I would have been, you know, last year or two years ago when people are regularly getting into 120, 130, 140. I mean, there's been 150-point scoring performance the entire season. It's been Steph Curry. Nobody else has done it. Uh, uh, Brooklyn's offensive efficiency is way down compared to last year, uh, in part because they don't have Kyrie and because Harden's been struggling. So, And Milwaukee's too. I mean, Milwaukee averaged 100, 120 points per game last year. They haven't been the same juggernaut this year. So I think if you're Miami, it's a problem. But everybody's having scoring problems right now. Maybe it well, is. Maybe it's a timing thing. Uh, I mean, they're they're one of the best rebounding teams in the league. They're going to be great defensively. In the postseason, that mid-range stuff does work. That's kind of like you want the Jimmy Butlers and the Tyler Heroes in the playoffs. That was sort of the formula to their bubble, I guess. And my question to you, my, one of my questions to you, Ben, was going to be, can a team win that way anymore? And it kind of sounds, and that was a good point you make with the rule changes. Um, maybe the answer is yes. David, what do you think? Well, I was going to ask, as far as the rule changes are concerned, we've seen in years past that the, the whistle gets tighter when it comes to the postseason. Now that's being implemented this way, this strictly throughout the course of the regular season, do we see the switch being flipped in the opposite direction where they kind of want to open things up to attract more of those casual fans that are drawn in during the playoffs and maybe they change the rules or, or lighten up a little bit on, on you know, or maybe start making those calls and kind of opening it up for offensive minded players. Cause I wonder if then that will change and, and, you know, again, attracting some of those more casual viewers. What do you guys think? I, I'm curious. Well, you know, I talked to the NBA's uh, head of referees and their president of basketball operations on that subject, like a week ago, basically saying like scoring's way down, free throws are way down. This sport looks different than it did the last two years. This isn't just like an early season point of emphasis, right? You guys are going to stick to this because it looks better. I mean, there's a much healthier balance between offense and defense. And they assured me, we're not going to roll this thing back. We're sticking with it. The competition committee is happy. The NBA league office itself, so AKA Adam Silver, is happy. And they want the game to be played more like this. Now, if it gets too rough, you know, if there's too many flagrant fouls, if there's pushing and shoving incidents because guys are riding other players, you know, to the basket on their body when they're trying to drive. And that, you know, leads to escalation type situations. They're going to want to monitor that stuff. But I think they're pretty firmly committed to having offense not be as ridiculous as it was these last couple of years. And keep in mind, offense efficiency and scoring went up for six straight years from 2015 to 2021. This was just like a roller coaster out of control. It needed to correct. And I'm glad they found a way to bring it back. Yeah, I am too. You mentioned not getting into some of these. Uh, players are frustrated with some of the ticky-tack fouls not being called. They feel like they're getting um, maybe bothered a little bit more. They're probably a little spoiled over the last few years, right? Like um, it, it's largely turned into a finesse game. And now you've got Denver getting into fights. We had that scuffle between Miles Turner and Rudy Gobert the other night. Um, but hopefully that stuff, you know, starts to wane a little bit. I mean, even Damian Lillard, not that he got into a, a, an on-the-court altercation at all, but in press conferences after games talking just just clearly frustrated with the lack of foul calls James Harden same thing but um yeah you hope that that stuff goes away so that we can so that we can keep nice things right like this is a nice thing let's let's keep our nice things um yeah and i would just say like they didn't roll it back to the 1990s right i mean right. we're not seeing charles oakley and that kind of behavior every single night 
they just brought it back to about 2017 or 2018 levels. And it's really easy to kind of forget because of the pandemic, because of how much basketball we all watch, what each one of those seasons individually looks like. But these last two years, nobody was playing defense. I mean, it was 50-point nights almost every night it felt like. So many different guys were able to kind of, uh, you know, pad their stats. I almost look at the, as, at the pandemic era, the NBA's pandemic seasons, the last two, as sort of like the juice ball era in baseball, right? I mean, wow. it, it's really noticeable how much a pickup there was. And so I think that the NBA rightly identified the problem and found a pretty convenient and, and clean solution to just, you know, roll back the clock about five years, not 30 years. Yeah. To bring it closer to home here, too, I mean, you mentioned the pandemic season. And in the, in the bubble, those 2019 Lakers, that formula that I was just talking about with Miami, really good rebounding team, really good defensive team, not a great three-point shooting team over the course of the season, but the Lakers in the bubble got hot. Obviously, they beat Miami in the finals there. That's the same formula, and the Heat are kind of following that formula. It feels like they learned from that Lakers series, and then after that, learned from getting swept by Milwaukee last year, the, the sort of things that they needed to do. They're obviously trying to double down on bringing more uh, predatorial offensively, right? Opportunistic, finding ways to leak out with Kyle Lowry in transition, using Jimmy Butler to attack uh, mismatches, Tyler Hero using, uh, getting, you know, hit him in mismatches and things like that. Um, it kind of feels like this is a team that lost a couple times in the postseason and then took all those things that was working for those teams and tried to adopt it themselves. So, um, I don't really have a question here for either of you, but I just, it just feel like that just to me, that, that strikes me as interesting is all I'm saying. And I, I guess well, that would be the road. No, that was my takeaway from the Lowry edition. They just needed an organizer, right? Somebody just a steadier hand to get teams into offense, to be reliable on a night-to-night -night basis, kind of from a health standpoint too, because Dragic had some issues there at some key moments, right? And so uh, to me, that, that was a really smart addition, a targeted addition, like you're describing, addressing a clear weakness and going out and filling it. Now, did I love the price necessarily or the, the term and all that? I mean, you can nitpick those kinds of things, but it was you know pretty clear Lowry was going to be a good fit. Like he was going to be very helpful in an upgrade in that spot when they grabbed him. And as you mentioned, Pat Riley, like that's all he needs to hear. Right? He is not going to sweat the details of like, oh, you know, how, how is this going to screw up our cap space in two or three years, whatever else. He's trying to put together a title contention team. He understands with Jimmy at this stage of his career the clock is ticking. You know, how many more years does Jimmy have to be a number one guy on a title contender? Fair question. You know, I would say maybe two, maybe three, uh, but that might be generous, you know? And, and so uh, the time is now for Miami and they acted like that. Well, that, well, go ahead. Oh, I, I had one more question. I was just curious because, you know, you've seen the team, albeit without Jimmy Butler for a couple games in Los Angeles, but obviously they're still one of the top teams offensively and defensively. You've seen the, the depth on this roster, you know, Tyler Hero certainly helps that. They expect Victor Oladipo in some capacity. But if you had to step away and kind of look at what this team is missing as they approach a trade deadline or the buyout market or anything like that, or maybe they just stand pat, what do you think is missing from this group in order for them to kind of be able to get past more easily, you know, past the, the Brooklyns and other teams of the Eastern Conference? They need uh, one more line of defense between Udonis Haslam and playing time, okay? They can't get into a situation where there's so many injury issues and People are, you know, Marquise Morris was out for, you know, whatever the, the you know, post-Denver Nuggets uh, issue was. I, I still feel like there's a hole there. And then also, I think they're trying to figure out which ones of these backup guards and wings can really be reliable and give you quality minutes who are going to be like fits alongside Hero. I think sometimes that second unit just becomes like Tyler and question marks, right? And so sure. maybe, maybe that's another spot as well. 
Um, I was stunned to see Udonis Haslam take the court and playing like real minutes in person. And I love that he could still do it. It's amazing. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I was like, wait a minute, are the Lakers going to start checking in some of their assistant coaches too? Or like, what's happening here? This doesn't seem (laughs) quite right. It's almost 2022. Like, what are we doing here? You know? So um, hopefully they're not in a spot from a depth standpoint where they have to call on him in like a second round series, because that's not going to end well, you know, no disrespect to the legend. Obviously, you know, one of the, the greatest mainstays uh, of South Florida sports history and an incredible NBA personage. But come on. I mean, that's asking too much. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and I've said this before. There's a lot of Gabe Vincent. There's a lot of Caleb Martin on a two-way contract. There's a lot of Max Struess. Like, I don't know. That's fine in the regular season in the playoffs. I just think, you know, there, there's an Andre Godala plus Jay Crowder type of move maybe somewhere down the line. I don't know how Pat Riley does it, but it hasn't stopped. Maybe it's just a buyout. Is there anybody on the – that, you know, we, we know the rumored buyout candidates. Is there anybody that you would like to see in Miami? What about Eric Gordon? That's the name that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Oh, well, we're on the same we're on the same page because I watched him struggle through a loss in L.A. And after the game, he was lamenting how many turnovers were being, you know, like, you know, uh, Houston's offense just like being completely consumed by turnovers and silly mistakes. And I saw a comment like two weeks after that where he's like, it's just the same old story every single night. It's like <laughs> he was already annoyed by it in like October, right? And like now it's November and he's even more annoyed by it. I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to last, but, you know, that could be a trade. You know, he's still uh, a player. He's got one, I think, one year after this one on his contract. So yep. does that prevent him from being moved or is he willing to give some money back to go chase the title? I think he's an obvious candidate. But to be honest, a little bit early for all that talk. I haven't, uh, you know, combed through the <laughs> rosters all that deeply, yeah. But I'm open to your suggestions, too. No, I mean, he helps the spacing, that's for sure, right? You get a veteran guard. But, I mean, is there a player in a worse situation? I mean, James Harden got out. P.J. Tucker got out of Houston. Mike D'Antoni got out of Houston. Uh, the GM got out of Houston. Like, everybody got out of Houston except for Eric Gordon. He's just like, yo. He's like Will Smith at the end of uh, Fresh yeah. Birds of Bel-Air. He's like, wait, and now I'm on a 2-80 and 80 team every single year? That's no fun. Um, well, it yeah. might be more like Will Smith at the end of an apocalypse movie, man, where like he's the last person left standing on Earth. You know, it's pretty rough down there with the Houston Rockets. Um, all right. Um, we'll get you out of here on, on this one, Ben. We thank you so much for the time. Of course, you can follow Ben um, everywhere uh, where he uh, well, he writes at The Washington Post, covers the NBA there, author of Bubble Ball, host of the Goat NBA pod. Uh, follow him on Instagram for some amateur uh, nature photography. Um, amateur? But- what do you mean amateur? Are you getting paid <laughs> for it now, Wes? Come on now. We'll get you. Uh, we'll get you a sponsorship. Um, those uh, shots from the Orlando bubble were fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NIL stuff. Published photographer in my own book, Wes. So I would say professional. And then look, I understood. I took a little dig there at Haslam, so you had to come back. I get how that works, but uh, boy, <laughs> unbelievable disrespect. Um, you have a you have um an NBA vote this season, correct? We don't vote at the post. It's you know, oh. we have a little high horse policy about you know uh, credibility of media, and so I think it's given how they've tied all these awards to contracts, it actually makes more sense now than ever. Um, I voted for a number of years, probably like four or five years, um, but now I'm officially uh, an abstainer, or I, I not even really offered because our our paper is an abstainer. All right. Well, you when you when you were at SI, you mean you, you used to vote there, and then once you yeah. you made the move over to the post. Yeah. Um, well. That kind of ruins my question, but we can still get into the spirit of it. Um, can I at least get you to endorse Tally Hero early, right now for Sixth Man of the Year? Can I just get you on the record to endorse Tally Hero as your Sixth Man of the Year, regardless of what happens over the next several months? 
Well, look, I mean, Wes, your oh. your listeners and your viewers can go uh, subscribe to the Washington Post post-up newsletter. And in that newsletter, I predicted preseason predictions. Tyler Hero, sixth man of the year. Now, I had John Moran as my most improved player. And I know that's a, a real dicey subject because, you know, people want to say Miles Bridges. And I know people want to say Tyler Hero as well. I've been blown away by the leap Jaws made from nice. being, like, really good to great. So I'm like full on, you know, campaigning on behalf of Ja for MIP. But I think Tyler's going to win it because, first of all, like he's the marketability stuff and like the virality of some of his clips in terms of like how he just you know goes crazy on social media all the time. Even the fashion stuff helps in this conversation when you've got voters who are sort of just, you know, not really plugged into it on a day to day basis. He's almost built to win this award. Miami's going to win enough. He's going to have the scoring number. People like him. That's usually a pretty, uh, you know, dynamite combination. I think he's going to win him. He's Ben Golliver. He's one of the best follows possible if you're an NBA fan. So please follow him. If you're not already, you're crazy. I don't know what you've been doing, uh, living under a rock maybe, uh, for all your NBA content and professional nature photography. Uh, but that'll do it for us today over here on Locked on Heat. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Heat on YouTube or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. Comment and leave a five-star rating. And you can reach us on Twitter at Locked On Heat. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Now make your second li- uh, listen Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free and it's available on all platforms. Ben, thanks for, so much for jumping on with us. It's my pleasure. You're too kind, Wes. You're too kind. Thank you. <laughs> Never been accused of that before. <laughs>